This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello, welcome to episode 167 of the Broadcast Podcast. We've been bringing you a series called Change for Growth, where we've been talking about how to bring about the process of change in our churches. And this episode is a conversation with Colin Barron and Patrick O'Connell about how we define success when we're bringing about change. You can find the notes on this on the broadcast website, as well as a load of other great content for church leaders, planters and pioneers. Hello everybody and welcome to Broadcast Change for Growth webinar this afternoon. Thank you so much for being with us as we as we learn about change which is something all of us are trying to do in different ways in our different contexts and it's great that you can be with us and you, you may have noticed that we've scheduled this for, for the first day during the European Championships where there's not a 2pm kickoff purely accidental but hopefully you appreciate that and t- today our topic is defining success so we're trying to break down the process of change into the different steps we looked last week at building momentum and today we're going to be talking about what are we aiming for? What, what do we call a win when we're making change? Um, we've got Colin Barron with us again. So Colin was here last time. Colin, how are you doing? I think you're on mute. I'm doing fine, thanks. Good to be here. Great. Uh, and we've got Patrick O'Connell as well. Now, Patrick is the director of the New Thing Movement, and it's great to have you with us, Patrick. How are you? Good to be with you, Tom. This is awesome. I'm well, thank you. Great. The way this will work best is if the three of us are talking a little bit about the topic, but if you guys who are listening and watching guide us with the questions that you have. So please do use the facilities here on Zoom, use the chat, use the Q&A, let us know what things you're wondering about, and then we can steer the conversation in a way that's most helpful for you and serves you to the best. Um, I want to start by bringing you into it, Patrick. Um, so just talk to us a little bit about New Thing, about what the organisation is, what you're all about. And I've noticed recently quite a bit of talk about microchurches. So tell us what you mean by that and, uh, and what you're doing around microchurches. Yeah, once again, thanks. It's a privilege and honour to be here. So New Thing, uh, what to note about it is it's a catalyst for movements of reproducing churches. We are not a denomination. We are partners. We like to say that we're friends on mission. Uh, We're aligned around the Jesus mission, so we are a big tent, uh, but we have uh, a real core focus on catalyzing movements of, we talk about sparking movements, not controlling them, but sparking them. And uh, we're really, uh, we're global in nature, so that's a lot of fun. Um, And then uh, there's four values that we kind of align around, reproducing at every level, uh, which might get us a little bit into the scorecard conversation. Um, relationships, so we network churches together to collaborate. Uh, sharing resources is one of the values. And then fourthly is um, residency, which is a church planter apprentice. So that's new thing in a nutshell. Right. And, and the, the micro church kind of movement, that's a, a thing that is, is that fairly new for, for new thing? It certainly seems a bit more prominent recently. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. Um, 
because we are not, we don't have an ecclesiological model. We're, we're more about the principles of movement and, the, and, and leaving the definition of church to the field, so to speak. What, what goes for a church in Manchester is different than in Chicago, than is different in Mumbai. And so what we try to understand is what's God up to and how do we, how do we learn from practitioners in particular who are doing it. And what I think with COVID has been the, the majority world church, that is the churches in Asia and Africa, their, their typical expression is microchurch. And I think we in the West, this is my opinion, but we in the West have been um, a little bit reluctant to embrace that model for all it's worth. And I think COVID has challenged all of us. It certainly challenged me and many of the leaders at New Thing to really, um, em- to really re-engage uh, in the micro church. And we're beginning to see some real stories. That's what we haven't had, at least in the States. We haven't had those stories to tell. And now we're starting to see them. So yes, the answer is we are, we are beginning to see more uh, thought leadership, insights around microchurch and enthusiasm around the topic right i'm just going to ask you one more thing on this before we draw colin into the conversation yeah. a bit as well um, but given that our topic is defining success as you're talking to churches that are looking at microchurch how would you define success or how would you help them to define what a win is when they're building church in this kind of way yeah it's such a great question one of the things we want to be careful of, and again, I'm speaking particularly about my context in the States, but um, one of the things we want to be careful of is just not starting a micro church and calling it a day. Um, so everything that we do at New Thing is about reproducing. And so uh, a, a micro church win is starting another micro church or hopefully starting a network of new micro churches. So it's this notion of mobilizing the body. We don't look at the microchurch as a final destination. We, in fact, look at it as a more nimble, perhaps creative and innovative expression of the church in the West that can reproduce faster. And that's why I like it so much. Right. Uh, Colin, just to bring you in a bit, a lot of what Patrick's talking about here sounds like what you've been working on in, in Manchester. Sounds a similar model there. Is this resonating with you? Would you be defining success in a similar way in terms of your own ministry? Yeah, definitely uh, keeping starting new ones, I think. Um, and uh, as you know, we're looking at starting six new sites, uh, congregations this year and next, which actually would be double, just over double what we are. And uh, yeah, it's be interesting to see what uh, microchurch size is. I mean, we think of a church of around 30 to 50 people. Um, and uh, so that's the, the kind of uh, uh, ballpark that we work in. And uh, that, that seems to work well, definitely is reproducible. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the things to, to get into in this is um, often church leaders, when they've got a vision and a change that they want to bring about, can be quite vague in the, in the definition of what they're trying to do and I came across a quote on Twitter from Dr Peterson who, who said one of the things you can be sure of in life is that you don't get something you don't aim at often people will keep their goals vague and one of the problems with specifying your goals is that you also need to outline the parameters for your failures by keeping your goal vague you're not sure when you fail that means you can fool yourself 
Colin, I wonder if, if you've got any reflections on that and whether you think maybe fear of failure and a defined failure can be one of the reasons we're re resistant to setting specific goals. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, if I go back to my first two church plants, especially the second one, I remember saying to somebody who was overseeing me has, that uh, he said, what's your kind of goal? I said, survival. And, uh, <laughs> and I meant it. I mean, we had 80 people. It was really poor. Uh, I think hardly any money. No, we had one car in the whole of the church. That just shows you the kind of um, type of demographic it was. And uh, yeah, so... <laughs> Uh, uh, basically, I, the thing I hated most was when people asked me, what size church are you and what do you want to do, uh, grow to? And I thought to myself, if I'm here next year, I'll be very happy. And uh, so, um, which actually, you know, in a sense, wasn't bad, but it actually really doesn't, uh, it didn't help us either. So, um, yeah, so that was my early experience. Uh, things have changed. Um, since then. Yeah, what about you Patrick, have you got any thoughts on this kind of sense of fear and failure and uh, the, the resistance that that could provide? Yeah, I think it's uh, like Colin, I, I was, uh, I planted a church or two and um, one of the things that, and, and then had had the opportunity to coach many church planters and one of the topics that we always address is unrealistic expectations. Um, so what, what I've seen and witnessed is unrealistic expectations or vague or no expectations. <laughs> and I'm, I, I believe there's a middle ground here <laughs> that we can find. Um, but I think <clears throat> to the point of failure, of course, nobody likes to fail. And when you add in one's personal calling as a church leader, uh, I, I don't, I, it can be deeply disrupting to a leader who feels not only have they failed in the church plant, but somehow they failed God. And of course that's completely untrue, but I think it's true of many leaders that we've witnessed and uh, worked with through the years. Uh, and so I'm, I'm a fan personally, we can get into this. I'm a fan personally because I have a background, um, before I was in, in ministry, I was, uh, I was in the, the army and then I was in the business world. So I'm a big fan of specific identifiable goals that we all agree to. Um, and uh, have found those personally helpful, and that's how we run uh, new things as well. Great. So just pushing to that a little bit more, when we're talking about specific goals, often our mind goes to, to numbers and numerical measures and metrics, and sometimes in church world there's a little bit of pushback against that. It's not, it's not about numbers. And, yeah. um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think there's validity in that criticism, or, or would you have a, a response to it? No, I don't think there's any validity because we all know, and I don't mean to be, I don't mean, mean to be um, uh, harsh in any way, but um, you can't play the God card. Uh, you can't play the, you can't hyper-spiritualize this. This isn't, an, we, we as church leaders are engaged in an enterprise of building community. And there are, uh, I say, qualitative and quantitative metrics that we can use to see how effective our efforts are. Uh, and so um, I like to know that what I'm doing is moving the mission forward. If it's not, I'm open to criticism, I'm open to pushback, I'm open to editing, you know, but I think the church leaders in general, we have to embrace the tension that is natural, not just numbers, 
but also qualitative data. And so what we do at New Thing, we talk a lot about stories and stats. And you may not deliver the stats without the stories, and you can't tell the stories without some of the stats. Now, there's a lot to that, but that's my short answer. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting when people do get tetchy about numbers. I want to I get the Bible and open it and show them there's a book in the Bible called Numbers. And if you read it, what's it full of? It's full of numbers, isn't it? Like, this is how many we had. And, but when you're measuring then, what, what are for you some of the, the numbers that you're looking out for? And what are the more qualitative things that you're looking out for when you, you're trying to pin down? your definitions yeah i think wearing just my church leader hat the the there, there's one that is i find and and believe to be the most crucial and that is the number of apprentices in the system uh, and for us an apprentice is someone who is alongside a leader whether it's in the kids ministry whether it's in the students ministry whether it's learning how to lead the church whatever every level is reproducible so we celebrate the apprenticeship uh, culture. And what is very clear to me is that if a leader of a church is investing in people, is mobilizing, is equipping, uh, is discipling, uh, we, a new thing that's an apprentice, and that apprentice, because we've, we use that name, it implies that the apprentice is going to go out and do the work as well. Uh, and of course, this is exactly derived from the life of Jesus, who invested in the few to reach the many. And so if there's one, Tom, one kind of metric that we continually come back to, there are others, but it's apprenticeship. And we, we, we talk about the apprenticeship scorecard. And so as an example, let's say you're a church of 50 and you're meeting and you're doing dynamic things in the community. You're loving each other. You're loving God. Uh, but you also have to have apprentices in the system. And that is the, the, the three or four of the five leaders who are being raised up to go out and do the work again. Um, that's the one that I come back to. And of course, there's, there's if, you're, if you're, let's say, a modest-sized church, uh, you might have one service. Um, a very easy metric to push for is a second service on a Sunday. Uh, or starting another church, uh, which is my favorite. You know, let's, let's plant the church in the next year. So there's a number of metrics that we can put on a church, but I think when you, when you reduce it, it's back to that apprenticeship because ministry, when I was first stepping into ministry and I had kind of that, that army business mentality, uh, a leader who, who I know loves me, pulled me aside and says, ministry is about people, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of the day, our metrics must be, and our data must be around people. That's my point. Yeah, very good. Cole, no, I, I, that's excellent. And uh, I mean, we don't use the term apprentice, although we've tried to, and, uh, somehow doesn't quite stick. And I, I was an apprentice. I was a heating engineer, apprenticed heating engineer. So it should stick. But uh, yeah. the whole thing of uh, defining actually the leaders you're creating, the disciples yeah. that you're making, is actually an interesting and excellent, actually, way of viewing it. And because uh, uh, so easy. And uh, we do, we define, you know, how many people there are on a Sunday when we can meet on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. And that's actually just beginning to happen um, again. And uh, I remember, you know, when I first came to Manchester, I thought God speak to me, plant 20 churches. And mm -hmm. uh, so I'd done two pretty poorly. And 
But I realized actually that uh, as I started speaking this, there was actually some life in it as well. I remember some of the leaders of New Frontiers picking this up and actually they beginning to have more faith for it than I had. <laughs> and uh, it was, which was a, and I, I suddenly realized actually what I was, I, I was creating was a, a kind of an energy, a faith energy, which actually was beyond me. That's and, good. Uh, and, I, I, and then I started realizing actually the survival <laughs> rhetoric, yeah. although very appropriate actually for the moment of starting, you know, um, it's a bit like having your first baby, you know. Yeah, that's right, that's right. It, it feels a bit like that, I think, you know. Yeah. But actually, once you start looking at the future and start putting some definition on numbers and quality as well, then actually it, there's a faith dynamic that actually takes effect as well not just for yourself but actually in a body of people so that's something that uh, I find and in fact if once we've done this six I'll have done the virtually done the 20 in my ministry in, uh, in I, I love that Colin and, and I just affirm that point there's there's a phrase that we banter about at new thing a little bit uh, I don't know if it's completely theologically true so bear with me but mission gives life um, and as we engage in the mission, as we engage in the mission of Jesus in our communities, in our cities, it draws the body of Christ into a focused outcome that is, I think, what we're supposed to be about. It's that old quote, I forget who, who said it, but uh, uh, the church doesn't have a mission, the mission has a church. Yeah. And, uh, and then how do, you, how do you put metrics and scorecards around that initiative versus just the butts in the seat and how much they're giving and all that stuff, which is important, of course, but not the, it's not the most important bits. I mean, I think the other side of it as well, Tom, is that we kind of use three kind of qualitative things, mission, community, and devotion. Yeah. And, uh, and when we're actually looking at uh, starting new churches, when we're actually assessing how we're doing, it's uh, not just the number of, new sites we're doing or the number of new people coming in but actually it's against those three um areas devotion to jesus community together building community and the mission how many people are sharing their faith how many people are yeah. uh, engaged in the mission and so uh, having those two together uh, i think has really really helped us and actually having two or three quite clear Instead of, you know, I think when I first started, I used to go through Acts. My qualitative thing was, the, was Acts 2, you know. <laughs> what I realized is, effectively, it's a too long a list, if I can use yeah. that. Uh, yeah. And, uh, actually bringing some of those together, actually, uh, as I think, has helped me personally. That's well, great. Colin, I think it might be just helpful, as you brought up the devotion, community, and mission, to, to just ask you to talk about, the, there's a tool that we often use that, kind of draws those things out and helps people put some specific targets and goals around them um, yeah it, do you want to just describe what that is yeah it's called a mission with a dead a vision with a deadline a dream with a deadline sorry <laughs> so i said vision i um got all three words in my head but it basically um it's called the house model so you and uh, the deadline is 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 helpful because it you've got a dream you know let's start six new sites and then it's got three pillars. What do those sites look like? And we put devotion, community, and mission. Then it's got some smart goals under each one so that effectively uh, you've got um, some uh, parameters that you're working to. And then at the bottom, it's got your cultures. 
the and uh, you know the seven cultures that we work to like have a go think the best generous so we've used that um that model really uh, helpfully on uh, on a number of uh, things we're doing. In fact, we kind of every time we hit a bit of a wall and we want to kind of reassess, we go back to that and say, okay, and uh, and actually look back at some of our other times we've used it. And it's really fascinating that actually the amount of times we hit our goals is quite extraordinary. And sometimes we forget that we've done it because once you've got yeah. that, you're kind of thinking the next one. And <laughs> so reflection is actually quite a helpful. Um, tool as well. I love that. That's a great dynamic. And I, I imagine there's some tension in that. But at the end of the day, as you just suggested, Colin, there's some um, definable outcomes. That's, mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned SMART goals. I'm a big fan of the SMART goals because there's always got to be somebody at the end of the day. Um, it sounds very businessy, doesn't it? But they got to kind of own the outcome. Yeah. Um, it, you know, we just can't say we're going to plant six churches, six churches and then we're going to we're going to pray a lot. We should pray a lot, <laughs> but you know, what are the, what are the 10 or 12 steps we're going to take to make that a reality? Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I do find that to be true. And even like the book of Acts, there's, you know, if, if that is the qualitative basis, you suggested that a little bit, but it's, it's, there's full of accounts of they were here and then they went there. Yeah. They were here and then they talked to them. You know, it's, it's not just kind of, Jesus floating over the Mediterranean or over Israel, kind of, you know, it's very specific. And I find that fascinating, you know, to Tom's point about there is the book of numbers as well. You know, it's a little bit of a slog, but nonetheless, it's there. <laughs> anyway, good stuff. Yeah. How, how do you help people then? Because you get some people who, who are leaders who will, will go down a line of it's all about obedience. God said do this, so I should do that thing. And if I've done that thing, then that's success, regardless of what actually happens as a result of it. And I think they've, they've probably not paid enough attention to the distinction between the calling and then the process of actually doing mm. it and the mm. reflection. But how do you help people who are in that mindset of, as long as I'm obeying, that's it, to, to get a more target-based, more defined view of what success is? Mm. Yeah, are you, and are you speaking specifically at church leaders, Tom? I, I think so. I think most of the people who are engaging with this will be in that context. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, I think that's a really interesting question because I, I, I believe it does perplex leaders. They want to be responsive and obedient to the call that God has placed on their lives. But yet they are stewards of the, the resources of the kingdom, which includes a lot of people. Um, I think the way that, that we do it at New Thing, and, and, and I'm, I'm gonna try to steer a path here forward to answer the question. Um, I, I understand, uh, as the leader of New Thing, wearing my New Thing hat, I understand that not everyone is gonna get as excited about <clears throat> mission as I am. <laughs> I understand that there are other gifts in the church. Uh, I understand that there are pastors and teachers uh, uh, and shepherds, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> Our role at New Thing, though, when we're speak specifically speaking of growing the kingdom, our metrics around the calling God has placed on our church to be a kingdom agent, to be, to be an agent in a platform of kingdom growth. Now, I also believe that every church, every single church, no matter if it's five or 50,000 needs to be engaged in 
growing the kingdom through church planting in some way. Um, and I, we can talk about that if you're interested. But I do believe there are lots of leaders who get stuck if they are, if they, especially if they're leading a church. <clears throat> I think calling and being obedient is one thing, but also understanding that God has, God has called you to be a steward of his people and of his resources in that church, in that place, at that time. <clears throat> and that must be equally acknowledged. And it's not just about the leader. It's also about the community that the leader is empowered and, and given the responsibility to lead. That would be my first response to a very interesting question. Yeah, because you don't want to say, don't be obedient, do you? So, <laughs> Absolutely not. I did not say that. <laughs> well, I know you didn't. I know you didn't. I was, I was glad you jumped in there quick. Because, uh, I, I mean, it's a little bit like being faithful as well. That's, a, that's, a, that's another biblical term that, you know, you know, God wants us to be faithful and, uh, but also wants us to be full of faith or breakthrough. And I think there's, it's, um, so these are all things that are, are, are absolutely right. They're just not in isolation. I think that's the, you know, so there's a, you know, love and good works and, uh, yeah. faith and obedience and, um, yeah. You know, I'm, and I'm just going through John at the moment, love and uh, faith, they're kind of, they're, they're going together, belief, believe in Jesus, but yeah. love him, love the people. So I think um, you, they, they go together. I think also it's to understand that some people are very motivated by numbers and some people are not, and actually can be a bit of a demotivator. And I think, you know, I've learned that um, when I'm addressing people, you need to uh, address people with the whole, I say gambit, the whole everything. So that if people, so I, I noticed one website, which I thought was great, big church and um, growing. And basically their, their dream was to build this big building. And then, but on it, it's got one person after, at a time. And I thought, yeah. yeah. So what they're doing is big picture, big goals. Yeah. And then realizing that, there's lots of people in that church who are very interested in their neighbor, <laughs> the person they're yeah. looking after. And, uh, that, and so actually being able to address both and is really important. So having goals, <laughs> having big plans, but also helping gather people and on the journey, I think yeah. is really, really important. And uh, so even all these terms that we're using, faithful, obedience, are all part of the, the Bible, all part of our walk with God, and uh, and uh, therefore need to be woven in, I think, to the story. It's just when they're in isolation. It's a bit like actually when numbers are just in isolation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, not not helpful. Kyle, I, I can't I can't affirm that more. And I and I love that you're you're challenging all of us to like live in the tension of these things. I think this is where we get caught up. And again, speaking only for the American church, you know, there's how many people have raised their hand in faith this Sunday morning. That's all, that's all quantitative data. It, 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 we, don't, we don't know any of the stories in that. So let's do the raise your hand in faith. I accept Jesus today. That's fine with me. But let's get the stories. Let's walk with those people. Let's invest deeply with them. And there, there's a natural tension there for a leader, isn't there? You know, because the leader wants to be able to say, yeah, we, we had 10 people say yes to Jesus today. Who are they? 
we have no idea, but I saw 10 hands, you know? <laughs> and I don't see that as faithful because Jesus is so intimate uh, with his followers. He's so intimate with each of us. And, uh, and so we can do both and we must do both. I agree with you. Well, one thing that I, I picked up on just like rewinding the conversation a bit was this distinction between the, the calling of the leader and the stewardship of the people. And mm. it's good to just tease that out a bit more because uh, I've known times that a leader will hear from God, they'll get some grand calling, some sense of vision, and their next move is then to deconstruct a church that's working pretty well and, and to break it into pieces. Is it a call or, from God or have they gone to a conference? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is there a difference? <laughs> I'm joking. Go ahead. Um, but, but sometimes that's the right thing to do and they're, they're stepping out, they're doing what God wants them to do. Other times maybe that's not the right step and maybe the right step is to do something on the side that reflects this vision they've got, or even to change their context, to, to go and start something new, to find another group of people who God's been speaking to about the same things. Um, uh, how do we know the difference? Like, uh, uh, as God's speaking to us, are, are there things that you've noticed in yourselves or leaders that you've worked with that would be indicators that the leader should be taking the church and the group with them? Or, or that they should be honouring what that group is about currently and doing the, the new thing separately. Um, I don't know if either of you have any thoughts on that. Wow, let me just start. <laughs> yeah, no, please. <laughs> that please. is a massive that is a massive question. I mean, personally, I felt God called me as a older you know, early 20s to be a missionary, to be involved in world mission. And and uh, in the end, I, re I, I mean, tried to go on, on, on a missionary society once or twice, and that didn't happen. Uh, I, the outworking of that came one of the leaders of New Frontiers, that actually uh, planting churches all over the world. And what I realized is actually I, I had to be careful with the local church, that I didn't suddenly make them almost world mission orientated to the detriment of planting a local church. And so I think that's part answer to that question is actually in sometimes that the outworking of a leader is more expansive than the local church that they're planning you know argue paul was exactly like that you know he, he was he had a vision to to, to, to reach everywhere yeah. but concentrate on a local church and address local churches for their local you know so his letters although they did uh, intimate often you know help me on my mission and pray for me primarily was actually focused on building a community strengthening a community and so that would be one um, aspect of making sure that a leader doesn't always impose in a sense their personal calling onto a local church to the detriment of actually the local if I can use that term in in, in that respect so that would be a little bit into that yeah I know and I I could take the I could take the other side of that coin, Colin. I, I think that's so well said. Um, what I strive for and what we would do at New Thing, one of the hopefully the values that we provide leaders is to keep their eyes on the kingdom yes. uh, and not devote all of their time and energy to the castle. Um, and if I can use that analogy, so we we 
we, we build good castles in the West. I mean, we, we do. We, we're very good castle builders. You, you guys in Britain are really good castle oh, yeah, builders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we mustn't forget that. The, and, and God does call us to build the castle in, in Sheffield or Manchester or London or Chicago or Mumbai, of course. But the castles belong to the king. And uh, I think that's point one, is that there is no church that must ever exist in isolation from other churches. So we're, we're huge fans of what I call the great collaboration of John 17. It's one of the missing pieces that we uh, try to bring to the table at New Thing, that we are better together. That's, that's good and uh, apropos. But actually, we honor God as we collaborate together. And notice in the, in the, in, in the book of Acts in particular, you don't hear about individual roman churches you know romans 16 you just hear about the church in rome mm. and one, one of the interesting things that i'm dabbling with these days at least interesting to me is could there be a different ecclesiological model for the western church in particular that celebrates the church in a different way meaning colin you plant the church i'm your friend in the city but you're doing your thing and I'm doing my thing and we love Jesus together. And of course we're spiritually united, but are we actually collaborating and working um, in ways that are meaningful? And so I love what you've said. I, I would love to also see the emphasis on yes. God didn't just call me to plant this big old church, put up, put a big marquee sign and grow it, but it is an instrument of the kingdom that is a platform for the future of the kingdom at the same time. That's the dynamic tension that we got to live in. I need you on Friday. I'm doing a talk to some Manchester leaders about us planting churches together. <laughs> Love it. I, I, I don't know what I could do better than you, but I'll, I'll be there just to support you. <laughs> no, but, I mean, I do think, to picking up your other point, Tom, that's, I think, you know, I've been in ministry now 40 years, and um, what I've noticed is that leaders sometimes get a new way of doing church. I mean, there's... Uh, uh, the cell church model from the, the East came in like, 20 years ago now, and so many churches tried to reconfigure uh, and actually took, you know, almost a way of doing it that was culturally relevant to a particular culture and tried to impose it on a uh, on another culture. It just didn't work. And I think I'm, I'm a bit nervous at the moment. I'm seeing, you know, numbers of people wanting to kind of reboot the church. Yeah. And I often say, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Don't fix it. <laughs> and uh, so, I, and that, so that is a tension for leaders because mm. desperate to change, desperate for growth, desperate for new things. And um, I, I have a good friend in America. I, I worked over there a couple of years and uh, he had built a business. And actually it was very specific. It was um, very detailed. And he actually wanted to go into actually mass production and so and he looked at it, he thought i'm gonna break <laughs> these people because they are ultra detailed i mean yeah and uh, and actually learned i think it was from harvard business school to do a parallel company don't try and redo that which is doing okay but it's not going to actually grow to the future but it's 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 okay it's it's actually yeah. it's, it's 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 there's nothing wrong with it Right. start a parallel company exactly what I did built a factory alongside employed a whole new set of people and started from scratch and actually had a very very specialist you know high uh, high focused uh, workers to do these very precise machine tools and then absolutely uh, a production line 
alongside yeah. and and I'd learned don't try and mix the two and I, I've, that's lived with me a bit and I've, I'm, hmm. I'm noticing numbers of leaders almost are trying to pro a production line <laughs> onto something that actually you'll only break it because the people don't get it and so I, I don't know if that answers your question but I just think it's very you know it's just very important that uh, as we're hearing God, and it may be the right thing we're hearing God, <laughs> how do we contextualize that and how okay. do we outwork it? I think is a big, big thing in, as we come out of COVID in particular. I wouldn't even agree, Colin. I love the example. It's a primary task of the leader. And if the leader doesn't understand that, there's going to be tension and, and stress. Uh, but if the leader is comfortable and, and you don't have to be an expert in contextualization, none of us are. But to your point, I think just acknowledging that, hey, one of the things I have to do every day is wake up and figure out how to grow the kingdom of God in my context using the calling that God has placed. And that's okay. That's, that, that's really good, actually. So I can't affirm that more. That's great. Love it. Very good. Yeah, I remember you did that, Colin, didn't you? Like the first, um, first sight of what is now Christchurch, Manchester, after you move back from from the states and to to go to multi-site the way you did it with a group of people who didn't really have an idea of what you were talking about was you found a guy who who got it and was going to go to a different bit of the city and, and and start something and just make it happen in a way that didn't really interfere with the lives of the people who, who were there anyway and yeah over time then there was this sense of ah that's what it's about. I get it now. I remember being in a meeting with someone, a moment when the penny dropped for her. She'd been part of the church for ages, and I was one of the team, and uh, this was like an evening for new people to the church, kind of explaining it. But I just remember like that moment on her face of, I get it now! That's because you did the parallel thing. You, you gave time and you let it grow into a thing that, that could be very visible. And I think that's what you're talking about here, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, Tom, we, we always, we always uh, just real quick, like, because a leader sometimes wants to make some changes or wants to redo them, some things. One of the things I've learned, and, and, and hopefully this is helpful for your listeners, is um, go through a conversation with your, with your key leaders first. Um, begin to create a dialogue because we, we do theology in community anyway. But so for example, Dave and John Ferguson wrote Exponential. If a church is interested in a new thing, they don't know much about it or they're not sure. I just say, hey, you know what? Just pick yourself up a copy. I don't get paid for this, by the way. You know, I'm not selling any books, but I am just suggesting that having a conversation with key leaders and beginning that dialogue is, is really helpful versus, hey, I was just at this great conference in Manchester. And guess what we're doing? <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. Very good. I think one, one of the, the things to touch on, I think this is probably the last area that, that I'll open up before we, we wrap this up. You'll know this from your time in business, that when, when you're assessing how things are going, it's not just looking at the positive side of it. So it'd be a poor business that just evaluated, hey, we got this much money coming in, but you need to look at the other side. We also spent this much money. Uh, the, this was the impact. You might even look at environmental. You might look at the effects on the workforce, wh whatever it may be. It, it'd be multifaceted. And in, in church life, it's easy 
to, to have a scorecard that's kind of keeping track of all the positive things that are going on. And uh, when we're bringing about change to, to look at, oh, I did this and it did this. And then maybe ignore the fact that, you know, we lost some key people over it, we took a chunk out of the budget or whatever it may be. Do you, when you're kind of helping church leaders define how things have gone, how, how do you get them to engage with the negative side of it as well in terms of balancing the two? Is there a process that, that you have that would help people weigh that up? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's not very sexy, so forgive me, but um, I, think, I think every church leadership team needs what, what we might know as retreat time or mission time. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a formal, we go away to the country for two days and we do all that. That's great if you could do that. It could just be during a staff meeting, the first 15 minutes is mission time. And we're talking about, are we on mission or not? Are we, are we generally in the right ways that we've decided to be? I think the easiest tool or one of the easiest to, to use is a, a simple SWOT analysis. But the mistake that I see leaders make, and I'm, I'm kind of wearing my business hat here, is they don't do it enough and then they don't really pay attention to the threats <laughs> and the weaknesses. Anyway, Tom, to your point, <laughs> it's kind of they do the squat analysis and then it really just becomes uh, a, a, an S analysis. You know? <laughs> but I think, I think doing a squat analysis when there's that mission time focus and doing it regularly because what you're in doing there is you're creating a feedback loop. Mm. And yes, your point is so well said. We don't like to hear we're not doing well, but what can help us is if there's a regular feedback loop, it helps me stay in the lanes. Mm -hmm. You know, there's that old story that a plane just, just, a, just a, a hair off of its degree. If I'm flying from London to Manchester, if I'm hair off, I might end up in Belfast. You know, <laughs> I don't want to go to Belfast, I want to go to Manchester. So I think every team, especially churches need it because our bias is to, to, to spiritualize those efforts. And, and that's what we gotta be careful of. That's my two cents. Very good. We're at the time that we, we said we were gonna finish this webinar. So we're gonna leave it there. Thank you everybody for participating. Thank you for the questions that you've asked. We'll be back on next week at the same time. And we'll be joined by Stuart Keir, who's from Audacious Church here in Manchester. And we'll be talking about overcoming blockers and the things that can get in the way of change. We'd love you to join us then as well. Uh, you can also find the recording of last week's webinar. And this one will be up soon on the broadcast website. That's thebroadcastnetwork.org, plus loads of other great resources that you may enjoy. And please do check out New Thing and what Patrick and uh, his team are doing over there. It'd be great to end with, with some prayer. Colin, would you, would you pray to close this webinar? Yeah. Thank you. Lord, I just want to thank you for uh, just looking at these great themes, Lord God, of, 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 um, of what defines success, mm. uh, Lord God, and uh, being real that, uh, Lord God, we know that every context is different, that success in a, a very poor area, that de-church can be slow and in a student area can be very quick and i want to pray god that you'll give us great wisdom that we won't shy away uh, but won't be unrealistic as well i want to pray god for the gift of faith and mm. i want to pray for anybody who's listening who may be just like me in in my early days in survival mode mm. lord i want to pray help them survive 
Yes, Lord. But Lord, I also want to pray for the gift of faith. I want to pray for the courage, the conviction of being able to ask you, Lord God, who can do immeasurably more than yes. we can think or imagine. And I yes. want to bless you that your kingdom grows and that, uh, Lord God, that uh, the gospel is going forth. And so, Lord, I just want to pray now for the gift of faith for everybody who's on the webinar and listening uh, on the on the recording ask this in the name of jesus amen 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 thank, thank you for thank joining you for us that. patrick and colin yeah. thank oh, you my pleasure thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed the conversation and we'll be back soon with the next episode in the series see you next time